electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, the big rally in stocks and whether it is now time to get more bullish on the markets. We will ask the investment committee that very question. Joining me for the hour today, Bryn Talkington, Jason Snipe, Steve Weiss, and Jim Labenthal. Take a look at the markets. We have a 600-plus point gain for the Dow Jones Industrial Average. There it is right on your screen. S&P 500, good for one and a third percent. NASDAQ is an underperformer, but still having a strong day. One percent, 367 is the yield on the 10-year note. So, Weiss, you, you just rolled in. You just rolled in a little. I wasn't sure if you were going to make it, but I, I, I found a shot of you uh, when the market started to rip after the jobs report. Can, can we see it? This is you. That was you right there. We found you. When the market ripped, that's what the bears are doing today. Well, what are, you, what are you thinking here? Well, I was thinking that, uh, thanks for having me on, Scott. <laughs> uh, look, um, I'm getting Speechless? A are you speechless no, I, at this I'm, market? I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how to respond to you politely. So you know that's a struggle. Um, look, he, here's what I'd say. Uh, you know, I, I was texting with, uh, with our EP executive producer for those not in media uh, yesterday and, uh, or, or the day before, actually. And saying, you know, I, I've been trading. That was yesterday. Saying I traded the queue, uh, traded in and out of Nvidia, and I added to my queues. So last week I put on some queues. So look, my, my job is the following: the first ten of my job is don't lose money. If the, your job's to filibuster, you're doing right. a really good job. Thank you. The second, the second, you saw how long it took Elon well, Musk I mean, to answer a, a question, right? Right. Let's you feel bad about you feel, at this moment. You um, feel bad about being as negative as you've been. Now you've been no, right. Not you at were all. right. I'm, I'm still right. Take a look you at are? the average stock. Yes. Take a look at the average stock. You focus on the top seven stocks. I'm saying take a look at the average stock. There's a stock we'll talk about later on that I sold. Dr. Death here came out and bought it on the day I sold it. What if you own the, the spiders like a lot of people do? What if you own the cues like a lot of people do? I do own cues. But I'm saying, you, you, you just own the cues now. You just bought them. I mean, you know, you I get my point. Last week. I bought them last week. You get my point. There have been a lot of ways to express right. yourself in this market. Yep. And you, it's No, easy. there haven't been a lot of ways. There have been very few ways to express yourself in the market, right? And it's the same way, whether it's the Qs or the seven that have done well, the gang of seven, it's the same trade. So there haven't been a lot of ways. Conventionally investing, that's concentration's good. That's how you outperform. I get that. But if you're a diversified investor that typically looks at different areas, you've been out of luck. So right? is it time to get more bullish or so, not? So here's how I look at it, okay? And, and I talked about this repeatedly, is that you know, people say, hey, it's never different. And I had this uh, discussion with somebody. It's always different. Every instance is different. Maybe the end result's not different, but the instance is different because of the input. So here's how I'm looking at it. Look, the market is not driven anymore by bottoms up fundamental investing. 
purely because the markets owned, the majority of the markets owned by indexes, right? More than 50% of every publicly traded stock. Take that and then put that aside for a second. I'm not going to complicate it because I know you have trouble synthesizing. Okay, okay. Keep going. But, Hurry it up. But also, as you take a look at the investor, the investor class that's out there, a lot of the people in my category, right, that have been there a while, you know, have retired or been out. So what's really come up with the democratization of investing? You've got a whole new investment class who's so far away from retirement, number one. Number two is used to V-shaped recoveries. And number three, have so much more access to information, they're no longer surprised by what's going on and believe it'll take care of itself. And maybe that's the right way to do it. So that's been seeping into my thinking. So rather than playing as I successfully did last year for major market decline and have somewhat avoided these stocks, except for Microsoft, which is my biggest position, um, you know, I think that there's a difference here. So I still believe my view in the economy is right. I still believe my overall view in the market is correct. But right now, I've got a green light with the Fed pausing next week, regardless of what the inflation numbers are. Was this the perfect jobs report and perfect scenario for somebody like you, Jim Labenthal? This was pretty darn good. This was perfect pretty for me darn too, good. by the way. Um, I'll parry with you later because there's something serious I want to say. And as much as we enjoy it, there's something serious I want to say here, which is that there is a logic to today's move. Whatever your thesis is, all right, this jobs report to your question, Scott, is what a soft landing looks like. And I'm really getting tired of these landing things, but let's just do it for now, okay? You have job growth, but you have an amelioration of average hourly earnings. That's what you're looking for, 0.3%. Yeah, we want it to come down further. I want it to come down further. You just raised your S&P target yesterday thinking on the idea that there's not going to be a recession. This report today lands right in your lap. And yes, and I'm I'm sorry I'm burying the lead. The cyclicals killing it today is the logic of which I'm speaking. By the way, part of the reason I'm not going to parry with Steve is because there's logic to what he is saying, okay? 500 basis points of Fed rate hikes should have an effect. The simple fact is they haven't yet. I mean, you look at this jobs report, you look at construction spending, you look at ISM services. Yes, there are some warts, okay? But the idea that a recession, remember at the beginning of the year, everybody said recession, 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 recession. If that were the case, you would be seeing a negative jobs report right now. You're just not, and to Steve's point, if the Fed is pausing right now, the logic of today makes sense. And further, okay, taking nothing away from tech, the prices at which these cyclicals are trading are simply ridiculously cheap. That's where you should go. Materials, energy, financials, discretionary. Cat's been leading the Dow for, for this early part, having its best day of the year. Russell 2000, best day Jason Snipes since May 17th. Yeah. Talk to me. Time to become more bullish Listen, or not? I, I would say this. It's nice to see some breath in the market, right? Um, and I would agree with Jim as it relates to, 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 the, to the labor report today. I think the big thing for me is, one, unit labor costs, as we looked earlier this week, unit labor costs were down meaningfully. Uh, we had ADP numbers that were positive. We also had, obviously, job numbers that were positive today. Now, as, as we look at uh, hourly hourly earnings came down some, you know. So I think this is this is kind of the Goldilocks scenario that the market is looking for, and that's why we're seeing the Dow push today. And they haven't participated meaningfully since the beginning of the year. And I think that's what we're seeing. Bryn, you want to you want to suggest that it's time to become more more bullish on the market, or or not? Is is it too much to make of a pretty nice move here? 
of 600 plus on the Dow. We're pushing 4280 on the S&P. It depends what market, right? We have two markets here. We have the eight names that make up all the returns of the S&P and then everybody else. And so I do think there's an opportunity as inflation is coming down. I do believe we'll have a three handle by the end of July. The jobs report today is flying in the face of the Fed who wants unemployment, I think, to be around four and a half percent by the end of this year. That is not happening. And so we have an economy slowing, but we have strong jobs growth. And I think that as an asset allocator, Scott, it's really important. We went into this year with the narrative of there's a wide range of outcomes. And I agree with Steve about why he has been negative. But where I don't agree is as an asset allocator, you want to have a wide range of, if you have a wide range of outcomes as your outcome, we owned the Qs, but did it via JEPQ with covered calls. We owned energy, we owned healthcare, we owned JEPI with more covered calls. So we were more defensively postured, but invested. And I think that if you end up anchoring on all this macro, you're missing the micro. I mean, because the S&P's up 10, the Qs, which has been like the best performing large cap growth manager of the last 20 years, is up 30% year to date. So get with companies or strategies that you can invest with so you can actually have an attempt to earn the long-term return of the stocks or the sectors. And that's what to me is like, that's the narrative today because people who've missed it, who are trying to jump in NVIDIA after it's up 200%, they've just missed the boat and are continuing to go on that gerber wheel of buying high and selling low. So I think that my narrative is I agree with Jim about the cyclicals. And I think that energy, which we'll talk about later, is clearly the fat pitch if we're going to go into the drumbeats of a soft landing getting hot, getting hotter. I mean, on the issue, Weiss, of whether it's time to become more bullish or not, Michael Hartnett, who's been bearish, says we remain bearish and wrong. He says that um, monetary policy remains the quote unquote big dog and set to tighten in coming months. Biggest reason we're not capitulating into risk despite price action. So it's a line, I think, with you. Um, even if there's a June pause, that by no means means that the Fed's done, in his mind, and the minds of other bears in the market. And I would, I would think I would put you in that category. Hey, look, you know, I, I, I think about it every day, candidly. I think about it. Where can I be wrong? You know, I've got humility. Uh, look, right now, it's not like I'm not making any money. I've, I'm up the kazoo in 5% plus treasuries. That's a phenomenal return that's tax advantage. So, so what have I really missed? Again, I missed those seven stocks. You know, I've been creeping in. I do think what you're seeing in today's evidence of it, and the reason I bought, I don't, you probably weren't talking about it in the next block in terms of some of my moves, but uh, it's why I've made that move and what, what I haven't talked about, and I don't know if I've disclosed it or not before, is I bought Freeport, you know, a few weeks ago, right? 34 bucks and change when the EV race, where they're an extremely important component, has not changed. I don't mean race, you know, it's going to keep going. So, um, so look, so I see that, and I think you are in seeing in part, I mean, if I told you that NASDAQ would be up 1% today and that, you know, the S&P and Dow would be leading, you know, would you tell me that NVIDIA would be down? And so it's really flat, but you would expect to be in the green, right? Not a big deal, it'll probably reverse later on in the day, but, but the point is, is that, 
yeah, I think people want to look at the end of the road more than where we are. And they perceive the end of the road is Fed cutting rates. I'm telling you, that will not happen this year. That's still, I'd be extremely shocked. I don't like to talk in absolutes, even though it's good for TV. But I can tell you absolutely the Fed's not cutting this year unless the economy goes to a tailspin, which jobs reports not telling us. So today, you know, that was panacea. As you said, Goldilocks, calling it term from the past, that was Goldilocks. You have uh, blown out of the water jobs report on the upside, but yet wave, wage growth declining, right, versus expectations. That's phenomenal. Is it sustainable? It may be, you know, and so that's why I've got a more positive tone I mean, for you the bought market Freeport, for now. You bought, you bought Deer. I did, okay. So well, that's new. About deer. Is that Stevie. new? Yeah, Deer is new. Deer is new. And the reason I bought Deer before you, you know, give me the high five, you said buy it at 410 on my final you trade. Just keep, where just I keep said going. sell it. So I sold Deer at 410. Mm-hmm. I'm picking up 15% lower. I mean, that's great. It works sometimes. Microsoft didn't work. I bought it higher. But I'm confident the world changed for Microsoft with ChatGBT, with Bard, with everything else. But you're not buying Freeport and you're not buying Deer if you think that the economy is going into the toilet. 100%. You see, that's not entirely true. That's not entirely true because I think those those stocks have already experienced that going into the toilet basis. So they've discounted the recession. So that's why I bought them. I'm not buying stocks that haven't discounted the recession. But I mean, is it is it time, Jason Snipe, to see what's happening in the market today? I mean, cyclical stocks have done nothing, yeah, yeah. right? Why, I mean, obviously, everybody knows what the show has been. Yep. It's been the, the big cap show. But materials, energy, financials, discretionary, leading. Is this possibly the start of something? I think it can be. I think it can be because I think as, as one, number one, that ceiling's behind us, right? That, that's, that'll get wrapped up today. Um, we, we're also talking about this, this labor report that, that I just shared that I believe is Goldilocks. And I think, you know, going forward and in, in, into this next quarter where we're likely experience trough earnings and then start to reaccelerate throughout the, end, the rest of the year, I think this potentially is an opportunity to buy some names and start positions in, in the cyclical areas of the economy. We've obviously seen what's, what's going on with the NASDAQ and the NASDAQ 100. Bryn, are you looking to do that? At some point, look, at some point, if, if investors think that we're not going to have a recession, then this top-heavy trade is going to broaden out. I mean, it's just a matter of when, not if. Right. Well, I mean, we're there already. We're in energy, right? That, to me, is one of the most cyclically exposed sectors. And it has sold off, though, in general. And so you have seen huge shorts from hedge funds and algorithmic traders. So you need that to reverse, that financial shorting of energy. But I think that that, to me, is the fattest pitch because these energy companies are definitely reducing CapEx as energy comes down. And so I think this is where investors can look to get some returns over the next few months. As tech, I feel that has run so fast, that needs to digest. And so once again, as I said at the beginning, there's two markets. There's eight names and there's everybody else. I think it's time to look at everybody else for some returns over the next few months. I want to simplify this a little bit. I think we're dancing around the central issue, which is simply that the market looks forward six to nine months. There's nothing controversial in that statement. I mean, nobody's going to dispute that, okay? You think forward nine months, we're in the first quarter of 2024. As negative as my buddy called me Dr. Death, what the heck is that about? Um, But anyway, as negative as you are, I don't think you're saying that you're going to see a recession that lasts past the first quarter of 2024. I don't know very many people who, who are saying that. And so this is a market 
market, we're in June, okay? This is a market that's looking forward and saying, whatever kind of landing we're having, and here's why I want to bury that terminology, the plane is on the glide path. You're going to get whatever landing you're going to get, and it's irrelevant. The market is going to start looking forward to 2024. It doesn't see the Fed hiking anymore. Who cares about cuts? I'm not calling for cuts. We can live at 5%. Well, I've done it before. Steve, you've done it before. Jason, Scott, Brandon, we've all done it before. You can live there. You can grow as an economy. Profits can grow. And as the Slower. market slower. Maybe not. Maybe not. Let me push back on this just simply to go to the late 1990s. Five years of like breathtaking returns. And, you know, the Fed funds rate was kind of five-ish percent that whole time. It just was. So, But, but saying you can live at five percent, I mean, earnings and the, you know, stock market returns are, are not likely to be all that I'll, robust. I'll give, I'll give you this. I'll give you In this, Scott. Forgive my, forgive my pointing at you, okay? Because, but I'm Point. excited about what you said. <laughs> because where are you going to get the higher this earnings This is Jim growth? excited, by the way. Yeah. I'm very, Carry okay. on. Look, where are you going to get the good earnings growth? I'm taking nothing away from Apple, NVIDIA, and all these things. But I look at the earnings growth of what Bryn was talking about with energy, what I'm talking about with materials and infrastructure structure spending of Boeing producing as many planes as they possibly can get engines for. I can go on and on. But, but I don't see think you point. can live with, you say we can live with 5%. If you are going to have a higher, you know, rate of, of inflation, which is going to depress uh, earnings to some degree in cyclical stocks, it's going to be a weight on, it's going to be an anvil of sorts I, I on, on the economy. No wonder the money has gone towards growth and towards mega caps. And in, in if you can, we can live with, yeah, we can live with, people are living with it right now. That's why they're buying those stocks and not yours. I mean, not yours. I, got I don't you. mean yours, I, I mean got you. cyclical. Look, you're, you're making a really good point. And to this discussion of Fed rate cuts, I agree. I don't think they're going to cut this year because they want to make sure that inflation is tamed. But Scott and Scott and Jason and Brent, if we get to the first quarter of 2024 and you've got a two-handle on CPI headline and you've got the Fed funds rate at 5%, that's going to be a real rate of 3%. The Fed may cut not because the, the economy's in the tubes, but because you just don't need to be that restrictive if inflation's down with a two-handle. And, and by the way, um, you know, Bryn, on Monday, Apple, Apple's only a few bucks. Where's Apple right now? Let's see an intraday chart, guys, if we could, please. Um, it's only a few bucks away from an all-time high. Um, there it is, five bucks or so. So you got WWDC on Monday, which, by the way, we're going to be there live. We're excited about that, too, on, on halftime and closing bell. Um, so you're going to have a, a stock that's on the doorstep of, of a high going into a really big event at a time where there's so much action around these names. What's it going to mean not only for Apple, but you think the group? Well, I think Apple specifically, we all we think they're going to unveil their, their headset. And I think that's more of a novel product. But Apple never, never amazes to, I mean, it always amazes me with the awesomeness of their product. But I don't think that's going to move the needle. It's going to be very expensive. But I think Apple just continues to execute. I mean, we all own Apple as an investor. If you own the S&P, if you own the Qs, it's such a widely owned name, love name. And so I just think it'll continue to be a high quality bellwether tech stock that people will continue to enjoy in their portfolio. What do you think about it? The, yeah. These stocks here and now, Apple again, you know, hits this target. Uh, Morgan Stanley's Eric Woodring raises his target to 190 from 185. Jeffries goes to 210 from 195. You know, mo most people who come out these days are reiterating their outperform or reiterating their buy. There aren't that many people at all who are 
or negative anymore on this name. Yeah, no, 100%. I think Apple has flawlessly executed this year. It's up 39%. I think it's half a percent off its 52-week high. It's expensive, as it's, as, it's, as it's been through this cycle. It's trading around 30 times. But I like what they're doing in India. I like what they're doing in terms of moving the supply chains over there. They're opening up stores there. Product refresh. They announced a $90 billion buyback in the, in the last uh, through the last earnings report. So I think, um, you know, Again, it's moved a lot. I think it could incrementally grow some more this year, but it, but a lot of the earnings I think are in for the year. Weiss, Microsoft's also near a new record high. Yeah, Within look, twenty bucks. You know, I uh, I think Microsoft is the AI play uh, because of recovering revenue model, the upgrades that drove the stock anyway, and you know, in prior cycles. But think of the upgrades that you're going to have to employ across your whole you know, your whole business and personally, as well as new products they can put out. So, and Bing may become relevant for a change. So to me, Microsoft is so much cheaper than NVIDIA, some of the others, with pricing power, dominant. Um, to me, this is just gonna keep going and going. You're gonna, at any, maybe not a year period, but any two, three, four, five year period, you're gonna see a stock that's higher. So it's a permanent compounder that I love. So that's Microsoft. I'm, I'm gonna once again, just make this really simple. All right, as dollars come in to passive ETFs, whether it's the triple Qs that, that uh, Steve is buying or the spiders, you just have to understand what the weightings of Apple and Microsoft are. It's 14% of the spider, those, those two names, all right? Uh, I don't even know what it is for the triple Qs. It's over 20%. And the point that I'm driving at is, if you're me, yes, you're underweight those names, but you own them because dollars are coming into the market and it's gonna go there. I do see better growth in the cyclicals. That's why I'm overweight there. But you don't want to be out of those names. It's just, it's technical. The dollars are going to flow there. Yep. All right, let's do this. Let's squeeze a break in. Uh, coming up next, no sweat for Lululemon. Shares are spiking on an earnings beat. Strong guidance as well. It's our chart of the day. We're also going to talk to Jason Snipe about the retailer he is selling. We'll do that next. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, we're good for 600 on the Dow. As you saw, Seema Modi has some breaking news for us, too. Seema? This is from Fitch Ratings, Scott. The United States AAA rating remains on negative wash despite the developments on the debt limit agreement. 
Fitch believes that the repeated political standoffs around the debt limit and last-minute suspensions before the X date, that's when the Treasury's cash position and extraordinary measures are exhausted, uh, lowers confidence, they say, in governance on fiscal and debt matters. So again, despite the developments we've seen on the debt agreements, the United States' AAA rating remains on negative watch. Uh, Scott, back to you. Okay, Seema, thanks for that update. That's Seema Modi. Uh, Jason Snipe. It's been a really rough stretch for Target, to say the least. It has been. I mean, I think this is the 11th. I think it was down again yesterday, which was 10. It's, it's down again now, barely, but it's still in the red. It should yeah. be 11 down days in a row. Right. You finally had enough. You sold the stock. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, this has just been, if I think about retail broadly and this shift from discretionary uh, to more of the staple oriented items, obviously Target is a, is a discretionary name. And so that was the problem for me. And I'm also thinking about what's the catalyst going forward? Like we always express a view on the show why we own things and also why we don't own things. And for me, I don't see a catalyst going forward. I saw some deceleration in their EBITDA as well as their free cash flow. That's why we decided to unload it. Down 16%. Weiss um, in, in just a month. Yeah. Make it this. For a stock you used to own. Yeah, I, I used to own it. Um, it's, it's kind of surprising, actually. I, I would think, you know, I don't want to say the bloom is off the rose with Brian Cornell, who I th still think is a great CEO, but there were a number of missteps. And I would think the market, uh, particularly when you're seeing strength for the consumer, except for isolated instances like Foot Locker. That the market wouldn't well, not get just, to, to the It's so level. interesting, though. It's not just isolated incidents like Foot Locker, no, though. Yeah, I, I, I didn't you know actually I mean? like, see uh, you say that. Look at this week yeah. alone. Capri yeah. Holdings, Dollar General. Dollar yeah. General. Macy's. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So this oh, is going to shock A lot of you. retailers are talking about, you know, their, their guidance right. has just not been great. Right. Right. And they don't necessarily see it turning around anytime soon. I mean, there obviously are good stories to tell, too, like Lulu, yeah. for example. Right. Yeah, I, I misspoke. So unless you have a unique value proposition for the consumer, I think you're suffering. And that's why I believe the economy will be going into recession because 60% of the country lives paycheck to paycheck. But this may surprise you, Scott. I bought Dick's. So I bought Dick's at like 126. You've owned that off and on I have. Time it, time. it got up to 140s or so. Uh, management, and this is important for a public company, management has to know how to guide and how to execute. They know how to guide because they consistently beat their guidance and they know how to execute. And for me, Dix is a unique value proposition as an investor because, look, you know, I, I go into the stores, Lulu, I kick myself for not owning it because wherever I am, you know, whether it's Chicago, there's a store across the hotel, I say, they're all packed, they're all hustling and bustling. So it's just the valuation that I can't come to grips with, but I should have bought it. But with Dix, the reason I bought it is that, look, my kids are out of the house, your kids are younger. I mean, going to a sporting goods store is still an event where you want to take your kids. You don't want to buy stuff online and deliver it to them, and it's also adult. You want to go and try on sneakers. Even though you can return them when you buy them online, you still want to try them, see all the styles. So Dix has, has a lock on the sporting goods market. There are regional players like Hibbets, et cetera, Academy, you know, Academy does great. But that's why I bought Dick's, because I've got a 10 times earnings, which is not compellingly cheap for a retailer, retailer but they're a special retailer with a, with a good brand, and I think a moat around their business. Bryn, you wanna, what's your comment on the Lulu quarter here? I know you don't own the stock. I'm sure you know, most people who don't wish they did. Well, it's interesting because if you just pull up a chart over the last year or so of, of Lulu prior to yesterday, the stock has just had heavy sailing and looked like it was heading to $300. 
And it's like, this is where, if you're just focusing on technicals, you just have a cursory view of this company, you've missed it. Because now it's going to probably touch 380 over the next few weeks. And I think this is where this retailer, they have a community. They are executing. They opened their 100th store in China. They're opening a bunch more this year. And their China revenue, it's only 8%, but it was up 79%. Their U.S. business was up. And so I think there are these companies that are just elite athletes in the space, whatever sector they're in. And this is just the opposite of a Macy's, for example, or Target, which is a whole other issue. And so I think it's kudos to those shareholders that held through that, because I think this story now gets legs and people will come back to this name. I just go, go back to you and the fact that you're, I think you're invested more in the experiential types of discretionary stocks rather than pure retail apparel, yeah. footwear, things like that. Even though you think the consumer is strong. I do, yeah. It's a peculiar expression of it. Yeah, but and let me let me tell you exactly the psychology of it. As you know, Scott, and our viewers know, I mean, I'm so exposed to this cycle increasing, accelerating. Like for me to add now to a, a retail would be just over the top when you consider, and you're right, it is experiential, you know, Wynn Resorts, Alaska Airlines, GM, well, that's good. But uh, the point being is that I would really have to sell something in order to go buy a Target. Now, I'll make a comment on Target, okay? I do think it's laboring, Jason, you brought this up, on, on these culture wars. Not, I don't have an opinion on that other than to say it will pass. These things happen, okay? Go back to Nike and the sweatshop phenomenon of 20 years ago. We don't even talk about it. I mean, I got to scratch my head to come up with that. It will pass and Target will come back. Scott, to your point, though, uh, I'm going to ride these experiential stocks and there will come a time, it might well be Target, uh, where I get in. But right now, the consumer, who does seem to be healthy, is traveling and having fun. They're not buying stuff. Okay. Uh, let's get the headlines now with Bertha Coombs. Hi, Bertha. Scott, a special address from the Oval Office tonight. President Biden will address the nation following Congress having voted to cut spending and extend the debt ceiling for another two years. The bipartisan agreement passed by a final vote of 63 to 36 in the Senate last night, sending the bill to the president's desk. Biden's speech will be at 7 p.m. Eastern tonight. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says a ceasefire cannot be declared in Ukraine unless it is part of a lasting peace deal that includes Russia's military withdrawal. Blinken said it would send the wrong message to Russia if the country kept the one-fifth of Ukrainian territory it now occupies. Meanwhile, U.S. troops are in Ukraine training soldiers to prepare for a counteroffensive. Nearly half a million Power XL juicers have been recalled because of a possible cut risk. And Power Brands says it has received over 2,260 reports of the machines rupturing during use. 47 people have been injured, some with severe cuts, others after ingesting small pieces of plastic. Scott, okay. back over to you. All right, Bertha, thank you, Bertha Coombs. Up next, an upgrade for one of Bryn's top stocks, already seen a 20% jump in the last month. It's our call of the day, and we will do it right after this break. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. 
All right, the first of our calls of the day. There it is. Albemarle up near 7%. Got an upgrade today at UBS. Bryn, you've owned this stock. Of Our viewers may remember it as a Josh Brown play for uh, a few years back. What about it in the here and now? And what about this call? Well, love the call, obviously. So I wanted, we wanted to play lithium with a U.S. company that obviously is mining for lithium all over the world. So that's Albemarle. You have to follow lithium prices. In 2021, lithium prices were around 200. They peaked at the end of 2022 at 1,200 and then crashed earlier this year to 600. Very, very volatile, the commodity. China is the ax here. In 2023, China is set to produce 9 million EVs, which is two and a half million more than they produced in 2022. This is a long secular tailwind, and I like the price here. If you wanted to trade the stock, the band in the stock is on the low side 180, and I think the high side around 260. So I think his price target of 255 hits that higher end of the range in the short term. Okay. Um, We mentioned materials, Jimmy, doing quite well today. You bought MP materials, uh, ticker symbol MP. Yeah, it's a small cap stock, and I've only bought this for myself, Scott, because for clients, this is just simply too volatile. Started the year at 40, went down to 25, went up to 35, now it's at 20. Um, But what this is, it's a rare earth element mining company. Now, here's the story between rare earth elements, all right, and China. This is a strategic resource that we need for cell phones, for electric vehicles, for basically everything in modern technology. What we do right now is we mine rare earth element raw oxides here in the U.S. We ship it to China. They refine it and send it back to us. Well, does that sound crazy? It is crazy. And you know what? It's a strategic liability. So the U.S. government has partially funded for MP Corp to start refining these oxides here in the U.S., right, which makes common sense, makes common sense. This is a strategic long-term play. I may end up owning it for clients, but I need this volatility to die down right now. So, Bryn, you know, coming back to you, because Diamondback and Devin, we we also mentioned how Energy's having a nice session today, too, uh, named top picks at Mizuho. You own, I think, both of those names. Right. I mean, they have such great, both firms have such great management and such a deep bench. And you have to understand right now, as, as we started the year, that everyone was certain we we're going to a recession. So then all of a sudden production would go, demand would go down. And then as that story is actually trying, starting to evolve, and if that doesn't happen, you know, Russia, pinky promised Putin, uh, pinky promised the Saudis they would reduce production. We have an OPEC meeting this meeting this weekend where they may cut production. I think you have a setup here where energy could have some legs over the summer, not just over a couple of days. All right. You got a yeah, thought? Yeah, look, on Albemarle, um, I'm going to look at it. It's cheap, but you have to understand what drives these markets. Now, I was just on the phone with, with a major user of, of lithium before I came to the show. Um, these are speculative-driven markets. So you have the traders, and I don't mean people sitting at home, but like the, like the Glencores and stuff, that buy these materials, and then they sell. They're the middlemen that are, that are critical to the business. But they're buying it based upon what they perceive demand will be. So they may get too much. They may not be able to stick with those positions. Then they sell it. If you take a long-term view of lithium and Albemarle in particular and what's going on with the IRA, where it's got to be the ingredients, right, the components have to be made in the U.S., they are perfectly well positioned to capitalize that. So you got to get through the short-term volatility, not care, and realize there's not enough lithium to, to you, power you're batteries. You're going to buy the stock? I'm going to do some work Sounds on it. Sounds like you're making a case to 
to buy it? Well, I'm, I'm definitely going to do some work on it. I haven't looked at it for a while, mm -hmm. but uh, I'll do some work on it. Maybe I'll I'll have Jim do the work for me, and you know, as usual, he's got nothing else to do. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Where'd you get these jokes right. at Evil? And hopefully, school? and hopefully, he comes out bearish on it, and that'll be my bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming up, Broadcom beats the street shares are higher after strong earnings. Stephanie Link told us yesterday she was trimming her position. Ahead of that, she's calling in for reaction now and strategy about what she's going to do from here. We'll do that next. Take a look at shares of Broadcom. They're higher after reporting strong earnings and guidance. A lot of bullish street reaction today. Let's bring in Stephanie Link now. She owns the stock, joins us now on the phone. So, Steph, you sold, you, you trimmed some of the position ahead of the number. Just give me your, your, your take on it, what, what happened with the earnings and what your current psyche is on your position here. Sure. And thanks for having me, Scott. Um, I, I trimmed it on Tuesday because the stock was up 11% on no news. And I thought the expectations were really high headed into the print. They were really high, um, but it was a really good quarter. And it was, a, it was a beat and a raise. And we know the CEO is proven to be very conservative. Um, but the focus really is all about AI and, and the guidance. And what they guided to was their customized AI chips and AI switches, which they are the number one player in these segments. That segment is going to be 15% of their semiconductor revenue this year, up from 10% last year, and it could grow to 25% next year. So you're talking about revenues going from $2.2 billion in this segment to five to six billion. So it's really, I mean, it's, it's, I always knew it was a great AI story, but it's really a growing and, and gaining momentum. Meanwhile, the rest of the business is kind of chugging along, and uh, they bought back 2.6 billion in stock. They have 9 billion left. They're going to do 17.9 billion in free cash flow this year. So you get the buyback, you get the dividend, and you have an AI story. And I think you wrap it all up, and it's trading now at 19 times. Yesterday it was at 21 times, but the numbers are gone, have gone up as a result of the better quarter and the excitement over AI. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm kind of, I'm not bummed that I sold it. I think it's prudent to sell, but I do think the story is still very much on track, and, and it's my way of playing the, the AI theme. You think there's too much froth in AI? I mean, going into numbers, there are several, you know, folks who have suggested, yeah, there's too much froth, and these companies come out, and they, for the most part, live up to the hype. Yeah, no, it's it's real. It's I mean these are these are extraordinary numbers. I mean to go from ten percent of your AI business of revenue to twenty five in two years time, that's really a really a big statement. And I, and again, I can't emphasize enough. The CEO is proven to be very conservative. So I think, yeah, I mean, AI is the real deal. Obviously, we've all been talking about it. Are these stocks extended, all of them? Yeah, probably in the short term, but I think the secular growth is still very favorable for the long term. All right. Steph, I appreciate you calling in. Thanks, Scott. That's Stephanie Link. All right. Up next, your midday word with Mike Santoli. We're back on the half right after this quick break. Dow is up 627 points. Grade my trade. Send us your latest stock move, and the investment committee will debate it and grade it. Email us at askhalftime at cnbc.com or tweet us, hashtag GradeMyTrade. Our senior markets commentator, Mike Santoli, is uh, here, obviously. How would, what is this about today, do you think? Uh, running out of immediate things to worry about and immediate excuses to not participate a little bit more in the market. So I think we've kind of move from one big scare or perceived scare to the next. So debt ceiling lifted, uh, hard landing not happening, at least right now. 
Uh, and the Fed kind of told you don't worry about strong data. Good news can be good news for a while. Told you in the last couple of days because they're not going to look to choke off the uh, labor market with another hike immediately. So all that stuff working together. And then I think a little bit of a making, a, making our peace with this very unbalanced market, which did get to an extreme with all the top-heavy uh, upside drivers, and now you're getting some mean reversion higher. And you didn't get full breakdowns in things like consumer cycles. They didn't, they didn't have well, but they didn't break down fully, and energy getting a little bit of relief. So all that together, look, I think big picture, at 4,300 on the S&P last August, Powell said, you're going to have to deal with some pain. Here we are at 4,300 again. There wasn't all that much pain. I mean, you know, obviously it's been nervous. You had to go to October lows. But in terms of the real economy, it's held up relatively well. We're flattening out with earnings as opposed to declining. So I'm very cognizant of this tendency sometimes to have a payroll Friday mm-hmm. kind of surge to a new high, be a little bit of a culmination moment. Um, but, it, you know, the market's acting better and there are fewer things right ahead of us to say that it's going to knock it off. Course. And look, and, and I guess part of your point, too, is there there may be some pain down the road. We just don't yeah. know. But at least the immediacy of delivery of that pain in terms of a June right. hike. Right. Uh, this job support today doesn't put that on the table at all. It doesn't seem to. No. I mean, and there's, they can't talk after today. It doesn't today. increase the likelihood, <laughs> I, I, I it guess. It doesn't seem to. There's to enough say. ways to regard the numbers to say, look, this is compatible with us stepping back for a meeting, and we'll revisit it in July. Yeah. All right. I'll see you in a bit. Thank you. Mike Santoli with his Midday Word. Coming up, we're going to grade your trades. We are back on the half after this. Let's do some grade my trades. Bryn, you're up first, okay, from Steve. Been buying energy transfer for the past several years. Dividends 9%. What should I do? Steve, uh, first of all, I'll give you an A. If you don't know, energy transfers in the midstream space, they're actually up 8% this year. Midstreams have done well. So I think continue to hold it, collect that 9%, and great job. Okay. Uh, Jimmy from a Twitter user. Grade my trade on GM. Bought it at 33.33. Give it an A. Now. What's the stock selling for? Five times earnings, 60% of book value. Um, I'm going to front run a little bit. I'm going to front run my buddy Scott. And I I, I love Scott. Scott's going to come at me as he always does on this and say, yeah, but it's stunk. It's stunk for years. No, I'm not. I'm just teasing you. I was going to say it's only up a buck. You're giving it an A? I'm giving it an A. I'm giving it an A because of where we're going. You heard I said, right? Everything's relative. 34.33. It's where it's going. It's where it's going. I'm teasing you a little bit, Scott. But but there's, there's a good point here of, you know, look, it's been stuck here and there's two things I want to say here okay number one you can't base today's decision to buy sell or hold or grade a trade based on what it's done in the past you do that based on the prognosis of what's going forward this stock is either going to go up because the soft landing you know is here and people need to replace their cars or they're going to continue to buy back shares at 60 percent of book value over the last year they've shrunk share count by five percent you win either way here Okay, next up, Jason from Scott in Vegas wants to know about casino stocks. Yeah, so obviously the the one that I own is MGM. It's up 20% year to date. It's trading at 16 times forward. And the price action, it's had a little bit of a drawdown over the last couple of weeks. But what I will say, I I think that's related to somewhat of an uneven uneven open in Macau. They only have 5% of their revenue comes from there. Uh, But if you listen to the calls, there's a lot of spending on Las Vegas and and other casino areas. So I still like this stock going forward, and I think think it'll be positive. All right, lastly, Weiss to you from Edward. I recently bought 600 shares of Pfizer, then sold the September calls. Grade the trade, first off, and then what do you think about Pfizer? Well, first of all, Britain next time won an A plus, not an A. 
Um, look, Pfizer's just stuck in a, make a joke stuck that. in a rut here. Um, you know, I like the healthcare space. Ozempic's been huge for them. Working on an oral Ozempic because a lot of people don't want to self-inject. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of downside. At the same time, I don't think there's a lot of upside with the stock. So, so I'm going to give it a B because I think there are lots of other stocks you can pick where you can make more money in. All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do final trades on the other side. Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now. Uh, we're excited about Monday. We're at the Apple Worldwide Developers Conference. We're going to be live there. Halftime Report, noon Eastern. Put together a really great collection of traders and special guests as well. Steve Kovac, of course, is going to be out there with us setting the stage for you. We're going to walk you right up to it as that stock is on the doorstep of uh, a new record high. So an exciting time for certain to be there. Let's, um, let's talk a little bit about the market, too, okay? 657 points, Jimmy. This is the kind of day you've been looking for and the kind of jobs report you've been talking about. And this is your moment. I'll let you shine a little bit. It's Thank you. But I, I hate to say this, it's just a day. You know that, and I know that. Steve, Jason, and Bryn know it. So I don't want to get carried away. But the mark, this, this market has not been just a day. Um, you know, we've been able to close above 4,200 on the S&P for, you know, three out of the last four days. I think I got that number right. Um, and here we are pushing, you know, almost 4,300 at this point. What I like at some point you get people who have been, you know, overwhelmingly bearish off of the sidelines. What I like That's about what I like about today is the equal weight index is outperforming the overall index. And Steve pointed that out. And I like that Steve's getting into Deer and Freeport McMoran. I mean, okay, this feels good. I want some confirmation. I just don't want to get too carried away. Sure, okay? for sure. I want some confirmation. What I really want, Scott, is that CPI coming up in two weeks to have a three handle. You give me that. I'm going to be pretty effusively ebullient, et cetera, et cetera. Here's yeah. the real story in the market. The real story in the market now, 4,200 had been resistance for so long. Mm -hmm. The question is, is it now support? And that's one of the reasons why I've increased my equity exposure, because I think that may be the case with a lot of market driven by algos and technical trading. So that's what you have to watch here, not to channel Joe Teratova. My final trade is dear. Uh, you know, candidly, it's up more than I, than I thought earlier in the day. I still like it. This is how it trades in big chunks like that. Yeah. Bryn, you have a final? Yeah. If the summer soft landing narrative continues, um, Pacer Cows ETF should do well. It's got about 50% exposure to energy, industrials, and materials, and a 12% free cash flow yield. Friendly farmer. CVS, way oversold. Look for the recovery. Jason's in it, too. He is, Jason. <laughs> Quantus services, a lot of demand for infrastructure solutions. I like it here. All right. That does it for us. Have a great weekend, everybody. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. All opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its 
its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Halftime Report disclaimer. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 